The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by Charles McDonald from For the Win. You guys probably know him as at 4 on Twitter. Uh, he is formerly of SB Nation. He now works for For the Win at USA Today. Also was a New York Jets beat writer for a little while, but we're not going to hold that against him. Uh, so I had I had Charles on the show to, you know, talk about Football, of course, we have uh, chatted some some PS5, some COVID, just all of the all of the topics of the day. I thought that Charles was really entertaining, and I think that you guys are really going to enjoy what he has to say. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can get bonus episodes on patreon.com slash takecast, and you can always just leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's very useful and helpful as well. And now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, bringing in Charles McDonald. You guys probably know him as Four Verts or as uh, sad-looking Bugs Bunny. Though, Charles, you got bullied, bro. You are, you are real AV Twitter now. You have, you have joined the rest of us with an actual depiction of yourself in your, in your avatar on Twitter now. Yeah, like all, literally all my mentors like in this business were like, you are a grown man. Like you need to have not a cartoon and like a real picture of yourself up on here. So... I, I, I met in the middle and my roommate, Kofi, uh, who is pretty popular on Twitter doing videos for like video games and stuff like that. He photoshopped a picture of Bucks Bunny onto my real, my real Abby. So we got a little nice little <laughs> going in real life. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta stay, you gotta stay on brand. Like it, no matter, like even when you grow up, you gotta, you gotta find ways to stay on brand. You gotta bring, you gotta bring the past with you. All right, yeah. so this is where we got to start. We don't have to go. We don't have to go too too in depth with this, but basically, I have a, an opening question for you. Manish Meta, what the fuck? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? It, it's it's actually pronounced Manish, which is yeah. I, I got Manish, that wrong. There we go. My bad. I got that wrong when I when I first started working there. But I mean, look, people who follow me on Twitter saw what I posted. I mean, the last, <laughs> I guess not, not even the last four months because it, it was like August through. Halfway of September was awful. Uh, you know, for, it's not a secret, but his credentials were have been revoked by the Jets uh, for a myriad of reasons. And you know, the Daily News's answer for him not having his credentials anymore was to get me involved in the situation, which led to me leaving. Uh, 
and uh, you know, I, I can't say too much more because you know, someone's working on it right now. But uh, sure, I would I would say that you're just gonna gonna want to stay tuned to the the internet over the next few days if you want like the full story of what happened. But you know, long story short, he is just uh, a humongous asshole. I don't know if I can say that on this podcast, but oh yeah, we get, whatever you want, man. No no okay. censorship here. He's one of the worst people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, and I'm so glad to be away from him. And I'm glad that me speaking up about literally just how abusive and abrasive he can be uh, kind of gave a voice to other people who have gone through the same thing. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, I, I tend, I try not to be a spiteful person, but I really hope he gets what's coming to him because I would literally risk a pandemic to put him. Like that's, <laughs> that's, right. that's how bad it is. Like I, I, I cannot stand it. Well, you know, what's, what's funny is like, it's surprising to see like how crazy of a, of a dude he is, but you know, like I, I come from fantasy football, right? So we have to bother beat writers all the time for stuff. Like we got to be yeah. like, Hey, you know, which, which running back is there? Like just, I mean, really nerdy shit, whatever. But he would just always be the worst if you were like, Oh, you know, what is, uh, you know, what is LaMichael P Ryan look like in practice? Or like, I mean, I don't even, this, I, he's been with the team forever. So this goes all the way back to like Sean Green, LaDainian Tomlinson style yeah. stuff. And like, so it, it just, cause there are some beat writers who like realize like, Oh, my job is to provide information about the team. And like, these people are curious about my team, even if I don't really understand why they care about this fourth string wide receiver or whatever, but he would yeah. always just be like the worst if you tried to get some small bit of information from him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's how it goes. Like he sees everything as like a brutal competition. I'm like, yo, we're, we're writing about the jets. It's not that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like I'm, I'm not about to, I'm not about to get out here and like be an ass and disrespect other people working around me for a team that's not winning games. Like that's just, not worth my time, not worth my effort, and uh, I got out. <laughs> All right, so let's before we will uh, we will leave the Jets behind. We won't we won't talk about them for that long. But I do I, I do want to ask you a couple Jets specific questions before we talk about some other uh, you know non really crippling depressing stuff. First off, do you have an explanation for why Adam Gase has not been fired? Like I I from the outside I really couldn't even guess a reason. I mean, I thought he was going to get fired after that Thursday night game versus the Broncos where they lost to, like, the Broncos' third-string quarterback. I think it was Brandon Allen playing that game. Because there were whispers, like, throughout the organization, like, hey, like, if they lose this game on national television, that'll be it. And obviously, like, seven weeks later, we're still here. And they started losing, and they're still embarrassing. But, you know, Jets fans seem to think that, you know, it's part of the tank, like, this is the Jets plan to get the first overall pick. It's to keep Adam Gase like they know he's so bad, but I don't think it. that's it. I don't really think any professional team thinks like that. I mean, when you talk to the players and stuff like that, like they're still busting. They want to win, dude. They want to yeah. win. Like no one wants yeah. to sit there and go 0-16. Like it's not fun. It, it, it's Football hurts. And it, it to go through all that pain and sacrifice to go 0-16 sucks. But my theory is that, and this is just like the most Jets thing possible, where – Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, is ambassador for Trump in England. Right. He hasn't been around for a couple years. Uh, so I honestly, like, my, my best guess is what's happening is that they're just going to wait till Woody comes back in a couple weeks and then make the decision then. But at that point, it'll be like, 
like week 15, week 16, week 17. So, you know, I think that they're just going to ride this out to the end of the season. I mean, realistically, what does a coaching change do for you on this team? I mean, there's just not that much talent outside of like Makai back then and Denzel Mims and Quinn Williams. Like they don't really have that much going for me. Like it's not like if you switch this – if you switch uh, coaches, like, they, that increases their chances of winning the game. I mean, we saw Dowell Logans, who's a very nice guy. I like Dowell a lot. But in that game against the Bills in the second half when he was calling plays, he got four yards. Like, so I, I really don't see yep. what changes with removing Adam Gase and, and inserting Greg Williams or Dowell Logans. I mean, it's just – it's a bad situation. And honestly, you know, I, 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 I kind of, like, grew to like Jets fans. I mean, they are – as a Falcons fan, I can respect like the masochistic right. fan base. Where, <laughs> yeah. Like, like I know, like you're a fan base. Like I know this sucks, but I'm gonna keep rooting for this anyway because it's all I know. And that's what Jets fans are, and I I can really dig that mindset. So I honestly hope that they get it together. I already said that if they can get Trevor Lawrence with the first pick in the draft, and it's safe to go outside next year. Like I'm gonna be at that first tailgate getting wasted with the rest of those guys because they are actually like a blast to talk to on Twitter at least. I mean, you know, Becton, Lawrence, Mims, like you got something there. Like th- those, those three players, uh, like you could build, you know, if you spend smart in free agency and, and you figure out a coaching situation, like there's no reason that those three players can't be winning that division three years from now, like no doubt yeah. in my mind, um, which is pretty interesting because uh, like it's just interesting to have – a left tackle locked up when you're that bad. This is like the Cleveland Browns, uh, like mid 2010s problem where like they had this amazing left tackle and then no quarterback worth protecting. So I'm, I'm hoping that Lawrence is that guy. All right. So then the next logical question is Sam Darnold. It, like I, I'm not like a, like I'm a, I, I have opinions on how quarterbacks can play. Like I, I can kind of project and be like, this guy's doing this thing wrong, but it's, it's much easier for me to just be like, this guy sucks. This guy is yeah. good, whatever. And my, my, my thing is I actually really liked Darnold coming out of college. I thought like, okay, he's super young. Um, he did throw a lot of interceptions in college, but sometimes that can just be like an indication of being willing to take chances that someone like, you know, Derek Carr never will, but it's got to just be this massive indictment that the, Jets' best offensive games this year have come with broken back Joe Flacco. Like, they can't score 10 points with Darnold at quarterback after scoring 28 and 27 with Flacco. Like, it's, it's really bad for him now, I think. Yeah, and the thing with Darnold was I, I felt the opposite way. Like, I thought that he was a pretty bad prospect coming out of UNC. Right. Uh, and then when I got to the Daily News last year, and you, you, look at, you look at his stats, and, like, they're awful. Like, if you just looked at the stats, you'd be like, why is this guy even getting a I mean, it's, he's Rosen, dude. Like, he literally is putting up Josh right. Rosen stats now. Right, yeah. And, like, his numbers have gone way down this year from even, like, the standard he had set for himself the past two seasons, which wasn't that high. But you, you, you kind of – you sit there in person and you watch him play, and you're like, man, like, I really see the path to success. Like, because I, I think that when it comes to, like – playmaking ability and being able to, to do things on the fly like I, like that specific skill <laughs> he's I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league at that one thing now everything else is just like an, an objective design. a nightmare yeah right, it's a nightmare but you look at like that that like the physical ability and like you talk about the age and obviously it's over for him in New York I think once we saw Joe Flacco's carcass come in and just perform at like a much higher level this season than Sam Darnold ever did. Like that was kind of the ride on the wall. Like this is not right. going to 
out. But you know, when you look at the age, you look at the playmaking ability. Like, I, I I am almost like a hundred percent sure someone's going to trade from this off season, uh, assuming that the Jets stay the course and go 0-16 and, and get the number one overall pick. Oh, 100%. He's going to be traded for a fifth-round pick to a team that has a bunch of analytics staffers because they're going to be like, look, we can get a first-round quarterback who is like – I mean, sure, he's been bad, but he's not been like Brandon Allen. Like, he at least has, like, you know, like the physical tools to for you to talk yourself into him. So, you know, he'll go to – you know, the Rams will trade for him to be a backup. The Browns will trade for him. Um, I can maybe see the Saints trading for him because the Saints just the Saints just try and get like um, a good backup quarterback then to eventually bench for Taysom Hill uh, every single year. Actually, I just talked myself into that. I think the New Orleans Saints should trade for Sam Darnold and let him learn for Breeze for <laughs> two years. I just talked yeah, myself think, into it. I think yeah, I think Sam's going to get traded to a team that has uh, a quarterback in place, like an older guy, like. Uh, the Colts have been rumored to be interested in training for Don after the season. I think the Steelers are another team. Uh, somewhere where he can just sit for a year and kind of recalibrate himself, but uh, walk into a better supporting cast than he had here. Because, you know, Sam has had a lot of issues on his own, a lot of self-inflicted issues with the turnovers. And, you know, he, he kind of has that James in him where he's unwilling to let a play die sometimes and just doesn't know when to quit. But he also was dealt a bad hand at the same time. Like Sunday – uh, against the Dolphins, which was a you know another terrible game for Sam, but that was the first game where he had all his receivers starting in the lineup together with uh, Crowder, Mims, and Perryman. But it, it, it's it's over for him in New York, and I think everyone knows that. I think he knows that. I think the Jets knows that. And now it's just trying to find the best spot for him after the season. Yeah. Um, all right. So. You know, when we have dudes on the show to talk about football, it's like, you know, it's Ben Baldwin, it's Josh Hermsmeyer, it's Eric Eager from PFF. Like, we get we get really deep into the the nerdy data science stuff. So I want to I wanna chat uh, some film stuff, some some takes, uh, you know, just because I'm not – like, I'm not good at this. Like, this is not my area of expertise at all. So I'm always very curious to learn. So I, I just have I just have some stuff written down here. Um, just to kind of ask about to see if there are, you know, some some real football reasons for some of these things. And I, the first place I want to start with is, is Brady washed? Because this is a, a huge point of contention right now. I'm sure amongst, you know, people who, who grind the tape and people who do, you know, numbers-based stuff. Because the numbers-based stuff will say, look, literally you could have Blake Bortles throwing to Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, and he should be good enough for that team to win 10 games and, and win the division. And when I, when I watch the Buccaneers, this is so weird, but I get 2018 Bears vibes from the Buccaneers offense where everything is perfect. The line is blocking. Every pass catcher is doing their job. And the quarterback just is doing the bare minimum to make it succeed. It's all structured around making sure the quarterback doesn't fail. Yeah. Uh, it. The Bucks are weird. I mean, because I, I honestly think, like, when people talk about how bad of a job, like, Bruce Aarons and Byron Leftwich are doing, like, I think that's honestly pretty overblown. Uh, and it's just kind of a way to cape for Brady. But the, the only thing that bothers me about the Bucks offense is, like, maybe they run the ball a little too, too much, like, too many Leonard Fournette touches at random times. Uh, like, we saw in that game against the Rams, like, last Monday night where he's dropping, like, three passes. And, like, why are you even throwing the ball three times? Like, that's – that that's an issue within itself. Uh, but I just don't want to make too many excuses when you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, and maybe 
Gronk and AB aren't like the Hall of Fame versions of themselves, but they're still more than good enough to be out there starting and contributing. Like, look, let's call it what it is. Like, he's 43 years old. Uh, he's 43, and, man. Right. Like, come on. Like, like everyone's like, you know, I, I think it's maybe he's not the best fit for Bruce Arians' system, but – you know, Bruce Arians made it work with Carson Palmer. He had some success with Andrew Luck and Ben Roethlisberger. Like, and I think maybe six, seven years ago, he, he could have had, you know, dominant success with Tom Brady. But he's 43. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, we don't have to hide from this. Like, I, I don't think we can expect anyone to be at the top of their game when he's 43. I think the impressive part is that, like, Brady is still a viable quarterback at this stage in his career. Like, the fact that you know, you still trust him to maybe have the game where he can go out and throw for five touchdowns and 300 yards and, and be a playmaker for you. But, you know, I think one thing that, that Dan Levitard hits on all the time, which I think is, is interesting, is like when you're older, you can, you, can, you can tap into that well for like a game or two or, you know, right. have, have a little stretch where you look like your old self. But, you know, at some point, like it's going to come, it's going to come taken for you. And, you know, between his age and maybe not being the best fit for Bruce Arians' offense and just based on the the public comments that Bruce Arians has made, like, throughout the seasons, like, uh, there seems to be maybe a little bit of friction there on how they want to play. And it, it, it's just – it's a little convoluted right now. But the interesting part to me is, like, why well, wasn't James getting these excuses last year? Because at least James was, like, consistently making plays down the field as he's thrown his picks. Uh-huh. Like, like there, are plays, there are games with Brady where he's thrown for, like, four yards in an attempt, and it's just – it just doesn't look good, but I. Uh, well, I mean, I think you and I both know why Jameis is not getting those yeah. excuses and why Brady gets yeah. those excuses. Like it's pretty you know, clear. It's just, a little, <laughs> just a little hypothetical question, but you know, with, with Brady, I think I think to me the thing we should be focusing on is like, wow, like this guy still has games where he looks like a top five quarterback sometimes at forty three years old. Like that's the impressive part to me. And he, this is what his twenty first season, uh, and. Right now, like, he still looks like he could play uh, next year. I don't know how bad that would look, but, uh, you know, it, it's interesting, like, that his, his, his yards, like, his yards per attempt and adjusted yards per attempt are kind of in line with what he did last year uh, right. in, in New England. So, it, it's, hey, father time comes for everyone and even came for Tom Brady, and uh, I, I'm, I'm just marveling at the fact that he's still up here being a viable quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it is it is tremendous to just be, like, criticizing and be like, dude, Brady's washed at 43 because like, a lot no. of times when we're having – yeah, like, when you're talking about quarterbacks being washed, you're like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is 35 and he's averaging, you know, 7.5 yards per attempt. Like, it's it's a very different conversation when you're north of 40. Like, it's it right. really is absurd. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, and, I mean, Brady could still – there's still a chance that he could, like, kind of figure this out and get through, but I, I just feel like the – some of the excuse making that we see from like former quarterbacks on TV are just not necessary at all. Like the guy's 43, he's still playing, you know, decently good ball. Like, let's just call it what it is. He's old. Yeah. Aikman was so brutal in that Chiefs game, just like trying to make every excuse in the book. It's like Mahomes, like, literally looks like an alien, and Aikman is still there. Like, it just, it was not, it was not a good look for, for Aikman and Romo. Pat's 25, you know, like he's supposed to look like this. And when Brady was, you know, that age, like he was balling too, but it, it, Hey, it's, it's not a big deal. Let's, let's all, let's all walk into the ocean together and, and celebrate the career of Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have, these are, these are fresh on my mind. Cause we just watched these two teams play last night. 
so the Seahawks won last night and they won against Arizona as well. But like, I don't like, they clearly are not the same team from the first month of the season. Right. Russ, Mm -hmm. Russ had um, back-to-back games where he threw two interceptions and then took 11 sacks in two consecutive games. Um, And, you know, I think that myself and a lot of other people got very caught up in the, the let Russ cook. And like, he's, you know, he's just dropping dimes into David Moore and like Freddie Swain is scoring touchdowns. Like it just doesn't matter. Um, so what is, what is your response to the Seahawks offense slowing down? Like, what do you, what do you, is it just, you know, pretty normal regression type stuff have defenses adjusted? I I've seen it floated that Russ is hurt and that might play into it. I don't know how true that is or not. I think I, I, to me, it's just kind of natural regression. Like the, to me, I, I think it's good that they're not moving away from what they're good at, at least in the passing game. Like we saw, uh, last night versus the Eagles, like you still want to go bombs away and take those chances to DK Metcalf and be aggressive down the field because, you know, when Russ is on this game, he's probably like one of the best deep throwers the NFL has ever seen. And you don't want to nick that in the bud, but you have to understand at the same time, like there's going to be games where it's not working. Uh, and that's okay. But if, if your passing game is like kind of boomer bust uh, and not always the most consistent like over the middle of the field then you're gonna have those games where it, it looks a little messy it looks a little sloppy and, and it gets stuck but it's worth it for those games where you can come back like those games against the game against the 49ers early this year where he threw for four touchdowns no interceptions and like the pace that he was setting at the early early of the early earlier in the year was just I think something we couldn't expect to continue for the whole season and I think that anyone who either looks at data or watch the numbers is like, yeah, you know, this is going to fall back at some point. It's just, it, it's not always going to be this easy. It's not always going to be this clean. And they've come back down to earth a little bit, but you know, we like we saw that, that deep post of DK Metcalf, like when they want to drop one and bang it on your head uh, deep down the field, like they still have the, the weapons to do that. So, you know, t- Seattle's offense has, has come back to, to earth a little bit, but to me, they're still one of the most dangerous offenses in the league because it's, it's kind of like the, what the Chiefs were doing, like when they first, brought Patrick Mahomes onto the scene where you have like this new brand of physical dominant where it's not just like the old school, you know, ground and pound and, and run you over type of physical dominance. And it's like, we're going to throw the ball 80 yards through the air and we have a bunch of playmakers and a quarterback who has a cannon. And that's the kind of like spread offense, physical dominance that we're seeing in the NFL. Like that addition of DK, you got Tyler Lockett, you got Russ, like they can do like similar types of things when they're hot. But I, I think that, maybe the scheme isn't making it as easy for them. And then you're just due for some natural regression when you are that like efficient throwing down the field early in the season. Yeah. And also, I mean, I, I do hate to, I absolutely hate this hot take, especially when people do it on wide receivers, but I do think it is like a little bit of, of Lockett is Lockett is kind of like a, um, like a shooting guard who gets hot, like kind of clay Thompson esque. like he's always good at creating the space like, cause he is such a good route runner. But I, I wonder if, I wonder, well, I mean, I know that Seattle would, would be a lot better if they had a better third wide receiver and better pass catching tight ends, right? They run out David Moore, Will Disley, Greg Olson, and Jacob Hollister. And Metcalf and Lockett are great, but when you allow the defense to focus, you know, so much on Metcalf and Lockett, because now, I mean, I know <laughs> Metcalf just absolutely ruined Darius Slay's uh, like, I mean, I don't even know how he came back on the field in the second half against him last night, but like, you can pretty much put a safety over the top now. Right. And you're like, okay, don't let Lockett get behind you. And 
Metcalf is getting bracket. Like he's not getting double covered, but he's getting bracketed on pretty much every mm-hmm. snap. And like, you, you know, you, if they did like the CD lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper thing, right. Where if they would have spent a first round pick on a wide receiver, like you just look at it and you're like, Holy shit, they would be, they would be unstoppable. Yeah. That, that's what I was just about to say. Like they're missing one more guy. It's like really yeah. get this over the top. Just one more dude to, to like, if you, if, if they committed to the bit and like, took uh, uh, someone in the first round and just, we're going to go all area assault as, you know, as we, we maximize whatever peak Russell has left of the physical career. I, I think that would be a really good move for them, but they just don't seem like an organization that'd be willing to do something like that. No, they have to draft a, um, a Rashad Penny replacement, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Seahawks are so bad with first round picks. Um, okay. Very, very related to this is, is Carson Wentz in the Sam Darnold zone? Like is it cause I don't, they're not going to trade him and they're not going to bench him because they owe him like an absurd amount of money, right? Like he, he is one of like the five biggest quarterback contracts in the league right now and they can't get out of it for another year. Or if they did, it would be like an absurd amount of, of dead money. Um, and I guess my, my non, you know, I'm, I'm not educated on this stuff. My, my take is he just has the yips. Like he does, he's not trusting what he sees and he's just like trying not to make mistakes as much as possible. And he's making a bunch of mistakes and trying not to do that. Yeah. It's weird. Like I've, I always thought Carson Wentz was kind of overrated, but he was a good yeah. quarterback. Like he was good. Like that 2017 season, 28, like 2018, like he was good. And now I don't really have a great explanation for it. Like it to me, it's like beyond even having the yips. Like you, I remember there was a play last night, like one of his first throws of the game where he's got a receiver wide open on a slant right in front of him. He just turfs it like at his feet. I'm like, this dude. Yeah. He threw like, a bounce like, pass. Right. Like last year he's hitting those throws. Like he's, he's taking the easy throws at least. And now it's just all over the place. Like the thing that I wonder is like have all these injuries, like just kind of added up over the years. Added and, up. Yeah. And, and maybe he's at a point where he can play, but he's not at his best self. Like I, I think if I was an Eagles fan, like obviously this year is just horrifically disappointing for a lot of reasons. Uh, I mean, Jason Peters has been, an abomination at left tackle since uh, he got back into uh, since he got back into the linebacker left tackle. Wentz is not playing well. Like the the run game is inconsistent. I mean, it, it's not good. But I I wouldn't be quite willing to give up on Wentz uh, just because of the season. Because I mean, one <laughs> financially it's literally like impossible for them unless like right. if they want to cut Wentz then they are pretty much committing to like three or four years of losing, which like how much they're going to have to like blow up the roster next year just to get under the cap, because that would be like a $60 million dead cap charge if they were to cut him last, like next to offseason. That's, that's not a reasonable for them to do. So, uh, you know, you, you just kind of got to hope that once can get better. And if he can, if he can just make it to the end of the season healthy, I think that maybe there's a reasonable chance that they retool this offense a little bit they patch up the offensive line, get him back into, you know, some shape next year because, you know, it, it's almost like regression in the other way. Like, this has been so bad, so bad, like, for his standards that – Yeah, something's got to go right. So, something's got to go right eventually. Like, it's not like a Sam Darnold situation where, you know, he's, like, always kind of bad and then he craters a little bit. You know, Wentz has always been, like – you know, since his rookie season, he's been hovering around, like, top ten status. Like, some people maybe even have him higher than that, uh, depending on who you're talking to. but 
this is just so far beneath those standards that it just got to go back in the other way. And if it doesn't, that honestly to me would be like one of the most fascinating careers that we've seen in like NFL history, just based on like the highs that went from him being an MVP candidate in 2017 when they went to the Super Bowl uh, to now like literally being one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. I mean, that interception last night, what the hell? Like when he threw it straight to <laughs> – the so Seahawks DB, like, 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 what, like, what was that? And like, and he's he's making like a play like that each week. You know, the pick six against the Brown, where he throws a screen pass like a million yards away from the receive the running back, and he gets picked off for six. I mean, he's just making these boneheaded plays every single week, and that's so unlike him. I just expect him to get it back. Maybe not this season, but next season. Yeah, that one. Um, the 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 screen pass interception last week was that was the point of like well we how bad can Jalen Hurts really be like how right, like right. like that was the point where I was like come on like we gotta get we gotta see a little bit of Hurts and then I was really disappointed that we didn't see more of him last night because I kind of thought like okay they're gonna give Wentz the first half right they're gonna let they're gonna see what Wentz can do and if he just is is sucking they're gonna bring Jalen Hurts in in the second half and they didn't he played two snaps like. I don't know. I, I want to see Jalen Hurts, but I guess maybe the argument would be is they look at this offensive line and they're like, oh, well, no one's going to succeed behind this offensive line, so we don't even want to put Jalen in the situation to go fail and make the fans more mad as as he yeah. sucks behind this line too. I think the thing with Jalen was like – because I, I don't know if you saw the report before the game yesterday, but basically there was pressure from ownership where they were like, you know, if, if Wentz starts playing bad, you got to put Hurts in. Uh and Wentz did start playing bad, like, to start the game, uh, unsurprisingly. Yep. And I, I feel like that that little bit of Hurts game, game was just, like, a little tip to ownership. Like, all right, you got it. You got our place. Now let's get back to trying to fix our, you know, $35 million quarterback. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, uh, a man I love. I do. I love Lamar Jackson so much. But Me too. He, he's, he's not playing well, man. And I, I this is – so I never really thought that like, oh, you know, Lamar's not that accurate. Like I, I actually didn't really think with the style that he played that that would catch up to him this fast, right? I kind of thought that this would be a problem as he gets to be like 27, 28, and he can't, like, he can't run 12 times a game. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to blame like it all on him because I, I think that's very unfair to be like, oh, you literally were the unanimous MVP last year you ran bad in the Titans game. Like Mark Andrews drops a pass. You get behind 10 points to the Titans. It would have been a whole different thing if Mark Andrews just holds on to that pass instead of lets it get intercepted. But it, it is true that he is playing much worse than he did last year. Um, and I don't know if these are like mechanical problems. He should have been working on harder over the off season. I don't know if it's decision-making problems because you still see these plays, right? You still see these plays where you're like, Oh, he uh, stiff arms a defender, hops over the arms of another one, uh, off his back foot, spins it, and Willie Sneed is wide open and walks in the end zone because Lamar made this incredible play. But I, part of it is on him, so I'm wondering kind of what your diagnosis of this Ravens situation is. Yeah, it's like it's a little bit of everything. Like it's to me, it's on Lamar. It's on um, it's on Lamar. It's on the coaching staff. It's on the front office. Like this whole thing where the Ravens offense is just falling apart is like a little bit of everything and I think obviously to me I start with the offensive line I mean they have gotten destroyed by retirement of Marciando you had Ronnie Stanley in and out of the lineup earlier season before you know he eventually got the uh, the season ending injury Orlando Brown's like flipping over the place uh, the rookie Tyree Phillips that they put in a right guard is not playing 
nearly as close as obviously like Marshall Yonda is an impossible standard because he's a Hall of Fame player, but you know, he's been one of the worst guards in the league this year. And like that has been an issue that, you know, Lamar has not figured out like how to play with all this pressure that you see in his face. And that's on him. Like if you're going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league and you're going to be, you know, someone who's an MVP contention after year after year, then you got to figure out how to play in these circumstances that, uh, that, that is currently presented to you. And, and he is not doing that at a, at a very high level right now. Uh, and I, like you said, like you still see plays, like not even just with the, the running, but like even just like standard drop back passing, you still see plays where you're like, man, like if you're giving up on this guy, you're, you're nuts. Like, because I mean, there are people who are just, like you know how the reaction is going to be when someone like Lamar Jackson starts playing bad. I mean, oh, you know, last year it was facade. He can't actually play. But you know, if the guy can win the unanimous MVP at 23 years old, I'm not gonna punt on all my stock on him after one seat after one down right. season when things aren't going straight. Uh, you know, you look at the offensive line issues. You look at how he's not playing well in pressure. Uh, to me, that is like the big thing where uh, the like the drop back passing game is falling apart, and then you have. Greg Roman hasn't been like nearly as concise with a plan as he was last year. You know, when you look at how they're running, their I, I do think Greg Roman has uh, a big part in this. I think that yeah. if you're an offensive innovator, you got to You got to innovate. Like you can't be running a bunch of the same stuff that you like, you were the story of the NFL last year. Like you think defensive coordinators didn't watch you. Like right. you can't, you can't just be like, all right, we're going to, we're going to run the same, you know, pistol RPO stuff. Mark Andrews is going to run up the seam. Hollywood's going to run, you know, as fast as he can down the side. Like you got to, you got to yeah. have some new stuff, bro. Yeah. And, and it, it's frustrating because like their offense is just congested. Uh, and the thing, the thing that kills me with the Ravens and like some of the analysis is like, if you take Lamar Jackson off of this offense, like if you just want to slander him and say that he's just terrible right now, like, <laughs> if you take him off this they, offense, they're going to die. Yeah. They're going to die. Like they, they, they'll be like Jets level bad. There's nothing, there's like even outside of Lamar, like they've got the run game going, but the offensive line isn't going well. So that's like still defense is keen on to Lamar. Like when you see JK Dobbins and Mark Ingram able to find like creases for, for big games, like that's still Lamar's influence on them. If you just want to put some scrub back there, then good luck. Like you're going to have one of the worst offenses in the league instead of like a below average offense. And uh, to me, like where the front office kind of failed was they kind of felt like they got a little complacent in terms of thinking that they could just run it back and everything would be fine. And obviously, you know, the injuries are something you can't foresee, but to me, you, if you, if you give them, if you have Lamar, if Lamar has a season like he did last year, you got to keep your foot on the pedal and just keep giving him weapons to go through. Because like you said, defensive coordinators, like they're going to figure out ways to slow it down a little bit, but talent trumps all. And to be honest with you, the Ravens offense is not that talented right now. Like outside of Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson, who are both sick with coronavirus right now. Uh, and yeah, we Mark- are, uh, we're going to get a test this theory for sure. Uh, on, I guess, Wednesday, uh, though I think Wednesday, that ga- yeah. I, I think it's probably not going to happen. I think that game will probably end up not happening, but we're going to get a test this theory when we get to see um, RG3 behind this offensive line, you know, throwing to Nick Boyle and uh, Willie Sneed. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be really ugly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's not going to be good. So, uh, where the front office kind of feels like you get complacent and 
one unique thing about the Ravens offense last year was they were so good out of 13 personnel with one back and three tight ends. When you have mm-hmm. Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst and Hayden Hurst like did not live up to his draft status as a first round pick, but like functionally as a football player in the Ravens offense, he was still very, very useful for them as like a big play threat. Because the thing is like, we always talk about how, you know, you got to have playmakers on the field. You got to have, you know, explosive weapons on the field. And for the Ravens, like honestly, 13 personnel was their best way of doing that last year where you got a tight end who could block and Nick Boyle and then two tight ends who can like run routes like a receiver with Andrews and, and Hurst. And, when you see, you know, Hurst got traded to the Falcons for a second-round pick, and it took Hurst, like, like five or six games to match his receiving totals from last year. So, to me, that showed that Hurst wasn't a bad player. Mark Andrews was just a better option for that offense, and Mark Andrews is a better player than Hurst is. But you lose Hurst, you still try and figure out, like, all right, so if we're going to lose Hurst, what's the next step of our offense? What's going to be the next evolution of this as we try to figure out new personnel? And, honestly, they didn't really add anyone of note as far as weapons go outside of, you know, some, some rookies like in the mid and late round portions of the draft. And it's just not going to cut it. I I think that this is just kind of a transition year for the Ravens on offense. And Lamar is not really figuring out what needs to be next. John Harbaugh and Greg Roman aren't really figuring out what needs to be next. And the front office didn't give them enough pieces this year to figure out what's next. So I think, Next year, you know, we saw the Ravens kind of go all in and retooling their defense this past offseason, but they got to go heavy on offense, just load it up with playmakers and try try to run it back next year. Because, you know, this team this team is, like, obviously, like, really close to being right back in the Super Bowl contention when the defense is playing right. as well. And, you know, you still got Lamar. Like, that Steelers game uh, a couple weeks ago, Lamar didn't have his best game, but, like, he makes a couple plays and you're right back in it. And And that's kind of, like, what's special about him. Like, he's not – he doesn't have to be throwing the ball super well or even be running the ball super well because it only takes one play for him to get you right back in it. So, uh, yeah, all they've got to do is just keep adding some talent. I don't really know who's out there in terms of free agency or in the draft, but it, to me that Ravens offense can be a real quick fix if they make the right moves. I mean, they got to get I, – I think they got to get him some wide receivers. Like, I, yeah, just don't, yeah. I just don't think it's responsible to have your franchise quarterback – throwing to Devin DuVernay and Willie Sneed and Miles. But, like, I mean, I thought Miles Boykin was going to be good. He's not. Like, he just, you know, it, it was whatever. It's like, yeah. it's just one yeah. of those things. But you got you to give yourself more bites of the apple. Like, I know J.K. Dobbins is really good, but drafting him probably didn't really help your team because you have Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Like, JK, Justice Hill is, like, 91% of J.K. Dobbins anyways in terms of how the Ravens would use him. Uh, now, if they want to draft Dobbins because they want to give a running back 28 touches a game or whatever to, to help ease some of that load off of Lamar fine. But that's not what they did. They, they drafted, they spent the second round pick and they played him like 15 snaps a game. Like it's just, it's not good use of resources at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it's just, it's just one of those things where they haven't figured out what step two of Lamar Jackson era looks like. And maybe they, I don't, I, I don't think they regret trading away Hayden Hurst because you can get a, a, a second round pick. Second round pick. Someone, yeah. Right. For someone that you're not using all that much, like that's always a good move for you. But it, it, like this off season is, pit, is pivotal for them because if you don't nail this off season, now you're talking about paying Lamar and you still haven't figured out how to put the playmakers around him and it, and it, it can get a little messy for you. Yeah. Um, all right, a topic near and dear to both of our hearts. <laughs> PlayStation fives, dude. Every I literally every day I get I try somewhere right. Be- Best Buy, Kohl's, Amazon, Target. It doesn't matter. And like it is, 
it's like literally dude what is the point of capitalism if i can't log on to the internet <laughs> and buy and buy a playstation 5 like the whole idea of scalpers finding a way to like set bots up and buy these and then resell them for profit like it just it makes me sick like literally i would if the actual price from sony was like a thousand dollars and that was just the retail price i would just pay that but like i re yeah. i'm not paying a scalper the money i won't do it i refuse yeah it's, it's the principle of it and look i gotta be honest with you i got one off a of scalper but I did not pay. I paid retail price. Yeah, you got you got the hookup though. Right. So here's 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 the story on how I got one. I don't I don't physically have it in my possession yet, but it's it's in the mail. It's coming. Uh, it's coming. So back when the Falcons were on their unfortunate little Super Bowl run, I I happened to be passing through. For those who don't know, I'm a Falcon fan. I have to I happened to be passing through the Atlanta airport. Um, on my way, it's like I think to the either to the Senior Bowl or back from the Senior Bowl, after they had just like demolished the Packers in the MC Championship game, and you know the the AJC the paper in Atlanta they had, you know the big Falcons are headed to Super Bowl cover stories like all these stories about the Falcons in the paper about how this is a magical historical season. So I just got on Twitter one day while like I was in the airport. I was like, yo, like. I, I would love to buy some of these for Falcons fans who don't live in Georgia and ship them out to people because it was a really fun season. And, uh, and I just, you know, wanted to share the joy with other Falcons fans like me who didn't right. live in Georgia anymore because I just happened to be passing through. Uh, so I bought like five of them and I mailed them out once I got back home. And uh, one of the kids I mailed it to, fast forward to now, <laughs> is like a shoe and game console like reseller guy. Uh, so after he saw me, cause I, I was, I was just striking out. I striked out on Best Buy, Kohl's, Walmart, like anything you can, you, you can name it. Like I got up, uh, to go to GameStop on what, on Black Friday. Uh, I oh man, there. you went, you braved well, it. I, I, I got, I got there way too late. Like, I got there like five minutes before they opened like a dumbass. They were like, right. on the block and this, 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 the store said they only had two and there were like 50 people in line. I was like, oh, this is just a complete waste of time. So I went back home. Uh, but, you know, one, one of the kids I had sent a, a, uh, a, a newspaper to, he hit me up. He was like, look, you know, I, you know, going back to the 2016 season, like that was a really tough year for me. And you going out of your way to send me a newspaper meant a lot for me, even though they ended up losing that the uh the super bowl that year so like i would love to do you a solid and just sell you one at retail price because like that action meant a lot to me so i was like buddy like i will definitely take you up on that offer so uh, <laughs> I, I i ended up getting one from retail price off of someone uh which was a, a pretty lucky thing for me and uh you know maybe i'll start believing karma you know maybe uh maybe good things happen in uh, a little bit four years like four years after uh being tendica deed that i I did, I guess. Yeah, dude, that is, um, that's like, that's like big time. Like you never know who's watching or you never know how it's going to come back to you, but it's just a very good reminder to like always be kind to people and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like just, just put your, put your best foot out there because you never know how it's going to come back to you. That, that actually right. is a really cool story. I'm less, I'm less mad at you for having one now. Like I still don't, <laughs> I still don't love it, but like, it seems it's, it's a little bit better now. I mean, yeah. it, it really is ridiculous though. Like they have these stories of dudes who have like 500 PS5 sitting in their apartment. It's just, and like people are buying the boxes and stuff off eBay. Like yeah, it's, it's yeah. driving me mad, dude. It, it's nuts. Like, and I, I and it's, it's annoying because like 
that seems like a, such a great way to get cash. Like if you can get if you figure out how to like get a Big buy and buy a couple of playstations and then like that almost like it, it pays for itself, you know? Because right now on Stock X they're going for like a thousand dollars and and like you said, if the PlayStation was just a thousand dollars, I would do it. But off principle, I can't pay double price for something that it, like it, it's just it's just wrong. So I won't do it. But I can get I, but I got it from uh. uh one who is you know jacking up the price but he didn't for me so capitalism is working out my favor this time <laughs> yeah like it's it, it is just something of like i don't even i don't even think it's like immoral but like i just it's like i'm like you know whatever go and make your money man do what you got to do but like i just i can't because it's just i don't know like they're just there's I'm some there's some it. mental block there yeah i'm just right, not, I'm not gonna, gonna do it, it. and uh, like sony i feel like sony has to be like a little upset about this because obviously like, it's good that they're it's, it's good for them that you know the consoles are selling out no matter what but you have like these people like i read a, a story on business insider last week or a week before where there's this this group of people who like who use bots to get the playstations and they're sitting on 3500 playstations that like they're having trouble moving because they jacked the price up so high so like if you're sony like you're missing out on people actually playing the game and, like buying stuff like while they're playing their playstation and like that little extra revenue so I don't know. And yeah, I, I you was, can't you can't uh, you can't microtransact if there are no transactions. Like if they're not in, like if no one has them. Yeah, uh, it's like I, I don't know if um, if this is something that's going to change in the future. I'm sure like this is a lot of it is pandemic related because I remember you know when you, when the PS4 came out, obviously it, it it was still difficult to get one, but not like this. Like maybe like maybe I couldn't get one on launch day, but a couple of days later I could just walk into a, a GameStop or a Walmart and pick one up. Yeah, easy. I think I got mine like a week later maybe. Yeah, but but this is like like I I'm, I asked my mom, I was like, I was like, mom, can I get one for Christmas?" and she was like, "Like yeah, like like I'll think about it." And then she started seeing how hard it was to get one. She's like, "Now you got to do that. like I'm not about to sit up at you know, 2 a.m., seeing if I can click faster than other people. Like, that's not going to be the case. Like, I can't even blame you for that. I'm not having a good time doing it either. But I got lucky. Yeah, well, and it's also, it's like, it seems like a lot of the websites are, like, not trying to fight the bots. Like, they're not making you do, like, the CAPTCHA or anything. And it's like, what's the point? Like, what, what, I mean, just charge me an extra 50 bucks, Walmart. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I tweeted the other day, like, this is the hardest I've ever worked to spend $500 in my entire life. Like, why is this so difficult? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very frustrating. Um, But and it's also it's like another thing. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna play it right away. But like the, the games that are out right now, I it's it's like I'm not I'm not jumping to play the Spider-Man game. I'm not jumping to play like Demon Souls or whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's literally just like it's like it's the challenge of it now and it, it feels it feels bad to hold the L. It's like trying to it's like trying to buy like sneakers or something where it's like yeah, like I I like it and it's it's cool. It's not really going to change my life, but it's it's the principle of the matter. Yeah, and honestly sneakers is like easier than this. Like sneakers yeah. compared to getting a PlayStation is like like chump change and and look like people who follow me for a while know that I've taken my fair share of Ellis on sneakers, but now I've gotten to a spot like where I can get one, like I can at least try to get one whenever I want to. But it's PlayStation, it's been, it's been brutal. So, you know, I, even after like I I made the commitment with the kid to uh, to get one from him, like I was still looking online to see if I could just cop one, but it was so hard. Right. I, I, quit. I quit. Like I ha- I have one coming at some point. Like I'm done with this. 
Well, I will, I will pay over retail for merch, like for, for clothes and stuff. Like I'll buy stuff on, like, I don't care about getting scalped on like Supreme stuff or, you know, Travis Scott hoodies or whatever. Like I'll, I'll get scalped there. I don't care. It's, it's, it's less of a principle there. I think maybe just cause it's like, that's like normal, I guess for like, for, for clothes and for shoes and stuff like that's it's just like accepted that's that like that's what you do but not as much Mm -hmm. for playstations for me i guess um all right so last thing the nfl they got to bubble up for the playoffs right like it's already a mess right now like they should hit the pause button i mean the nfl is admitting they have a problem by there no one's allowed in the facilities monday or tuesday which like is the nfl saying like this is chaos regardless but we can't like we can't have quarterbacks testing positive for COVID. We can't have Kendall Hilton starting a playoff game. Like we can't. They got to figure it out because this is it's not working. What they're doing right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a disaster, and it just goes back to like how the country as a whole has handled coronavirus. Like using that term very loosely. Like it's not shocking. Yeah, handled. That- yeah, it's not shocking that as we approach, you know, 200,000 people a day getting sick, that the NFL starts to fall apart. Like, wow, it's shocking. And, you know, maybe maybe earlier in the season when, like, obviously the spread was bad, but not as bad as it is now. Like, you were kind of powering through these games without really anyone getting sick. But now, as everyone starts to get sick and these guys are still interacting with society, uh, it's just, it's going to get worse. And I mean, you know, Steelers fans are, are talking about, yeah, well, the Ravens should just forfeit the game. Maybe they should, but that doesn't solve the problems that we have coming up in the future because, you know, this could very well happen to another team. And, and every every day, you know, we're getting someone with uh, coronavirus or the, a team has to shut down the facility because of a close contact or, or what have you. And we don't want this interfering with playoff games. Like no one's, you know, if we get to a point where we're in the playoffs and let's say, you know, the Titans have another outbreak and they have to sit for a week and they can't practice, like, that ruins, that kind of ruins the validity of these playoff games where if teams can't practice before they have to go. So I hope they bubble up. You know, they should have not been so damn arrogant at the start of the season, thinking that everything was going to be okay. Uh, you know, a lot of reporters were carrying water for them, saying that the NFL had no idea this could be this bad, even though Dr. Fauci. Yeah, I mean, what Schefter freaking tweeted last week that no games have been canceled because of COVID. Like, what are you doing, bro? Right, right. And and like, I don't. Some one one of the reporters for ESPN before the season, I don't remember who it was, uh, tweeted out like, you know, there's no way the NFL could have foreseen that the cases would spike in June and July. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we're not doing anything to to combat COVID. And then be even more surprised now that that stuff is going haywire when dr fauci said back in like april or may like we need to get this wrapped underneath the winter before the winter because once everyone starts sitting inside together like people are still going to travel but they're going to be sitting inside and that's how you spread covid the most like we haven't even seen the post thanksgiving boom we still have christmas coming up we still have new year's coming up like this is going to be a disaster if, if the nfl doesn't do anything and it's just kind of reflection of our society that we've all kind of given up on not all, not we all have given up, but like a good portion of us like do from, for multiple reasons that, you know, we don't really have about a football podcast. I've, I've kind of given up on. Oh, it's not back. a football podcast, bro. <laughs> this is just a whatever podcast. I mean, it's, it's a couple things, dude. I mean, first off it like, I mean, the main thing is people just like to be around other people. Like, yes, there are a lot of people who are being super selfish 
don't want to wear masks, you know, Trump voting South Dakotan motherfuckers who just don't care. But then there, there is a whole group of rational people who, you know, acknowledge that COVID is a thing, but are just like tired of sitting inside their houses. Right. And like, I, I, I mean, I'm not there. Like I, I've left my house like six times this year, basically, but like, I, I do understand the mentality of being like, man, this, like this just sucks. Like I, I do, I do get it, oh, yeah, it's awful. but yeah, it's, it's awful. It's awful. But I mean, at this point, like, you know, the, th- the Thanksgiving stuff is going to be horrible. Like it is just going to yeah. be, I, it, in like, in like a month, we're going to be like, Oh, like everyone's grandparents are dead because <laughs> of, of Thanksgiving. Like it's, it's yeah. bad. Dude. And, and Thanksgiving yeah. or Christmas will be just as bad. Yeah. It sucks. Like this is the first holiday season in maybe my entire life that. Yeah. Where I didn't see my parents. Right. Well, I saw my parents, but like, I didn't get to see my grandma because we don't, yeah. want her going, we don't want her going to an airport. And she lives in Mississippi of all places. So, like, you, you can't get on an airplane and it, and it sucks. But I'd rather be able to see her next Christmas. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, it's, it's just a sacrifice that you got to make. And I, I totally understand people who are like, you know, I got to go out and work because uh, I, I need money. And I, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing, right? right is the is thing. There's just no infrastructure set up. Like in, in other countries, like in New Zealand and shit, they're paying people to stay home. We're, right. America, we're not paying people to stay home. We gave them one $1,200 check and we said, you know, good luck, Jack. Like, it's exactly. not enough. Right. And, and I'm personally, I'm someone who is, I'm fortunate enough where I can live. I, I still live pretty comfortably. I, I work from home. And yeah. I know for me, like that $1,200 check was gone in like a month after I spent it on rent and utilities and some, and like groceries, like that was it. So I can't even imagine people who like are really hurting out there and really need that cash. Like it, it's gotta be brutal. And I understand when I understand like where you come from, if you say like, I got to go to work cause I need this bread, but that goes back to just what a failure by our leadership to get this thing under control and doing the right things we need. Like, like we, we see it with, with football, we see it with college football, especially, I mean, the NBA, but all sports and it, it all kind of permeates like through our society, like how sports are a reflection of our society. Like the bare greed of what America is about has never been more clear than this pandemic. And it's, it sucks. It's just really disheartening to see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so ugly that like, you know, I, I'm small businesses are getting destroyed by this, right? Restaurants, family restaurants are getting destroyed by this and they shouldn't, but it, it right. should, the answer, the answer is not, Oh, uh, you're taking away our Liberty to stay open. You're ruining small businesses should be, no, the government should be giving you money. Like, like, you right. know, like your, your restaurant should be taken care of due to an unforeseen global pandemic. Not, not, you know, it's just, it's like so yeah. backwards. And like every other country in the world understands this. Like you're right. Your business shouldn't get wiped out by this, but not for the reason that you think. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, and I empathize with the small business stuff, but hundred percent. Small businesses are going to be open. I'm still not going because I don't want to get sick. Like I don't want to. Get, yes. I don't want to get coronavirus, and I don't know who has it. And at this point, it's like every other person you come in contact with, like might have had it at some point, which is awful within itself. So hopefully, we get on the wraps because another year of this would be absolutely. Yeah, I get. It's like <laughs> I just like I'm imagining. I'm imagining like you know sitting here Thanksgiving next year and being like, well, next year you know we're going to be able to see our families and just being like, man, that sounds awful. Sounds brutal. Yeah. So you we know, gotta we gotta pray for the vaccine, bro. That's the yeah. it's only out because people are done, dude. People, I mean, people will wear, wear mask. 
Oh, this is a good question. I'm going to start asking this to everyone who comes on the show. So even, even post COVID, um, or, or, you know, some people are vaccinated. Some people aren't like, let's say two years from now. Do you think that one, do you think you will still wear mask places? And two, do you think people in America will wear masks? Uh, I, I still, I think I still might, like, if there's a, like, if there's a chance that I could get it, like, it can't hurt because it, it's like, it's such a low effort thing. Like it, it, it sucks. So low wear, effort. It sucks to wear the mask, but it takes two seconds to put it on, two seconds to take it off. And like, I, 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 I can't even begin to think about like what government conspiracies people believe. Like it's literally just something to help not spread the, like the, the, the yeah. disease. But, you know, Two years from now, no, I don't think people are going to be wearing masks. Um, but I might consider it if it's, you know, still a situation where you still have a percent chance of getting it after you've been vaccinated. Because I, I think, you know, at, at this point with how widespread it is, any number that you see with how many people are getting it is probably lower because not Low. yeah. day, which is horrifying. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I would consider it if there's still a chance that I could catch it. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, it's like one of those things where in some countries, like, it's just normal. Like, in, in South Korea and in Japan, like, healthy, able-bodied adults wear masks when they go inside really crowded places because they're like, oh, yeah, there are literally germs everywhere. Like, this is such a germy atmosphere. And, like, I don't, don't want to get the cold. I don't want to get the flu. And it's, it's a lot easier for me to not do that if I am wearing a mask, I, my guess is it is not going to happen in the States at all. Like everyone gets oh, yeah. vaccinated. We get, we get some herd, herd immunity stuff going on. Um, yeah. Like masks will be completely done, but I, I don't know. I, I also like, don't hate it. Kind of keeps my face warm. It's very cold here in the, in the Midwest right now. Like it's brutal. So like, it, it's honestly not the worst thing in the world. Not like I, yeah. literally I only go to the grocery store though. Right. Right. And that, like, like, and that's another thing. Like I'm not leaving the house enough where it's like a huge issue for me anyways. Like I'm just going to go pick up some groceries or get a haircut from that from time to time. And that that's it. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, this was, uh, this was beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell people about your stuff coming up on for the win. And, uh, are you and are you and justice going to do, uh, a setting the edge anytime soon? I mean, what do we, what do we got? We might, you know, it, it's, it's so funny. Like when, when things start to get bad, me and justice were like, before the draft, we were like, Oh yeah, we're about to be inside for the rest of the year. Like people are not about to get their shit together at all. Uh, right. So like, yeah, <laughs> we had like a list of people that we want to come on. Like we were going to dedicate like, oh, we're going to get Michael Jr. Come on. We're going to get Mina to come on. And we're just going to talk to like all our friends in the industry. And we record like one episode this year. And But it, it's funny because me and Justice, we talk literally every single day, like, all day, every day. Right. We're constant contact with each other. Like, that's one of my best friends. And we just never record a podcast. Like I don't, I don't have a good answer why. I think we're gonna try to get back to it. I'm also gonna see if I can bring it to four in the wind. Uh, my boss doesn't know this yet, but yeah, if you listen to this, Nate, I'm definitely putting together a pitch for you uh, on my first day next week. So we can bring seven the edge to uh, uh, four in the wind, get a little gambling uh, action going on there. But I'm gonna be working with. Um, a good friend, Stephen Ruiz, uh, who does great work for the win. We're going to have a little podcast. Or he already has a podcast called The Counter, which I'm going to be joining in a couple of weeks once I get settled. So uh, we got big things coming up for the win. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pumped to get started and be able to work with people I like this time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good <laughs> stuff. Everyone, follow Charles on Twitter, at 4 uh, Read his stuff on For the Win. Listen to Setting the Edge, if him and Justice ever do an episode. And we will be back next week. 
Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.